Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. Great to have your company. Thank you for downloading the show. I'm your host, Emma's Kennedy, alongside Final Furlong Podcast superstar and from Racing TV and RTE, who will be upping their coverage of racing over the coming weeks, which I cannot wait to see. It's not the cow in the background, but it is the absolutely outstanding Jane Mangan. There's probably somebody listening thinking, oh, cow and Jane, mm, let's not, let's refrain from that. Uh, thank you for having me back. It's nice to be on the farm doing a podcast. Proper rural broadcasting. Uh, look, you can't please everybody as we see with twatter, but if anybody says that, we will twat them. Uh, who is the cow? Does the cow have a name? Uh, the cows don't really have a name, not like the horses. I, I don't uh, understand the personality quite as well, but um, look, I suppose, as they say on, on Twitter, if, if they're giving out about you, at least they're listening to you. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, more fool them. Uh, it also means that um, that cow probably understands more than we think because they just happen to moo at the exact time we start the show. So talk about bombing the show and uh, getting a bit of attention for themselves. Uh, from Betfair, I'm delighted to welcome back a man who hasn't been on for about 17 months. Finally, it's the return of Ryan McHugh. Yeah, that's a good intro, Emma. Yeah, it feels about 17 months. I don't know if it was quite 17 months, but the last time it was on, we were talking about Supreme Trials in Haida, so oh on heavy God. ground. So we're a long way away from, from that now at the moment. Uh, and for regular listeners, you are a dyed-in-the-wool and uh, well-versed flat fan. Yeah, you could say that, yeah. Uh, you, you weren't exactly as convincing there as you were off air, but that, that's fine. That's fine, Ryan. Uh, that's no problem. Uh, no prizes for guessing where we're starting with, um, obviously, the 2000 Guineas, which was won by Kimeko. Oshin Murphy winning his first British Classic. That in itself was uh, fantastic. I thought he spoke eloquently, as he always does afterwards. Uh, fantastic success for Andrew Balding and for Sheikh Fahed. Um, brilliant run from Aidan O'Brien's pacemaker. Now, Jane could have destroyed me there, and she refrained. No, 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 no. I'm waiting to hear what you say next. Okay, all right. Are Brit you going to admit that you were wrong? Oh, I admitted to Aidan O'Brien when I interviewed him last week that I was wrong. Yeah, now, to be fair to Jess, uh, who was also on that podcast, we both believed that you were being a very harsh on Wichita. Mm -hmm. And, like, imagine had he got up, it would have been so sweet. I was getting WhatsApps. No, no, you're, you're not wrong, Emmett. He was up with the pace. <laughs> it's just that he happens to be Group One class, and, and not yes. not in there like New World Tapestry is a no hoper who didn't uh, unusually make the running. Um, but yeah, no, look, he's he's run a, a super race. I was getting direct messages, tweets and WhatsApps from regular listeners and friends of mine who are going, you're going to look like some dumb dumb here when this gamble comes off. And it almost did. You could argue he was unlucky, uh, actually. And uh, then we had Pinatubu back in third. But let's give credit where it's due and focus on the winner, first of all, shall we? Uh, Kimeko, in terms of the Bedford exchange, he seems to have been weak enough in the market. What was the... What was the reaction on the exchange beforehand? This always fascinates me. And then in terms of the in-running prices as well, Ryan, how did it all play out? It was about, Kameko was about a 13.0 chance before the 2000 Guineas on Saturday for the Derby Emmett. Um, he's now trading as low as 5.1 and he was matched as big as 42. So someone's on a decent price. But 
generally you would have thought a horse like him that obviously has really good form uh, as a two-year-old and come out and beat arguably the, the, be- well, the best two-year-old we've seen last season. Um, he might be a little bit shorter for the derby than, than the current four to one years on the Betfair Exchange, but that's what he is at the moment. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he fares uh, at Epsom. One for me that I thought, he finished fourth in the race, military march. I thought he might be able to turn the form around at Epsom should they both turn up. Um, I just thought military match has been even before the race he went off around 20 to 1 27 on the machine on the exchanges and I just thought before the race that he was crying out for a trip he ran like it too he just was off the bridle a long way out and he didn't have the tactical uh, speed to keep Kameka in when Ushia Murphy did go through that gap uh, and make his way move about a furlong out but I thought he was the horse to take out of the race as regards the derby derby goes but he's only around a 6.6 chance on the exchange so he's not too much bigger than Kamiko so Plenty of people, obviously, in the same um, boat as me, um, thoughts-wise, on military march. Yeah, he's a horse that we've talked about quite a bit as well uh, on the podcast and lead up to this race. What was the trading on Pinatubo? Because for a brief moment, it did look as though he was cruising into contention and was going to pick them up. Yeah, he hit 1.36, so 4 to 11 he hit in, in running uh, to win the race. That was probably when William, uh, when, um, William Buick asked him, to go to go maybe and win it. And when he got there, he kind of took a little bit of a pull. I think he thought he was getting there a bit too soon. He, he, he loomed up beside Wichita, but Wichita obviously kept finding as they went into the dip and then up out of it. Wichita did actually hit 1.5, so two to one on. Um, he looked home. Obviously, Kamiko was hanging out to the centre of the track and obviously got him late. But I just think when Wichita, when you look back at Pinatubo's two runs and Newmarket on the Rolly Mile, they, they, when you go back to his current win, he was obviously so impressive. And were, the form is definitely below what he showed at the Curra. And it could be just that the track is just finding him out. I think back, if he was to turn up in the St. James Palace um, next week, which I assume he will, I think he'd turn the form around with Wichita. I think he's a lot more pace than Wichita has. I think Wichita is just can go a gallop for, for a long amount, for a certain amount of time. I think Pinatubo is a much speedier horse and I think that'll suit back at Ascot. I just don't think he's shown his true running at uh, Newmarket in the both occasions we've seen him there. Uh Right, your take, so Jane, on the 2000 Guineas. We'll start with Kameko because he deserves the praise. He's already a Group 1 winner from winning the Virgin Futurity Stakes at Newcastle last year. And clearly he's developed an awful lot over the winter. How impressed were you with his performance? I think he won with a bit in hand at the line. Uh, what you got to love about Newmarket is horses can run into the dip looking like the winner Kameko didn't run into the dip looking like a winner, but when they hit the rising ground, the speedier horses had done enough and Kameko was starting to find his stride. Yeah, he ran out to the centre a bit and Oshin probably took the safe man's route going around the protagonist in front of him, but he had enough horse to do that. I think he comes out of a huge credit. He deserves to be the derby favourite. He's bred to be a derby type of horse. I'm not sure... Maybe 10 furlongs will actually be his optimum. He's he's obviously by Kitten's joy out of a rock of Gibraltar. So I don't think there's much of his family that have gotten gotten the derby trip. Um, his dam is a sister to Kingsbarns, who obviously won a racing post trophy as well. Mm. The, the the concern for the derby for me is like, uh, visually in, in the guineas, he looked like he would stay. But uh, he, he's going to have to go and do it. Uh, and if he is really short for the derby, we, we do remember only a couple of years ago, Roaring Lion going short for the derby and he blatantly didn't stay. Um, and he was very good back at 10 furlongs. So that's my only question mark for him. I did love, I do like a horse who, 
who switches off like he does. Now, I wonder maybe did Kameko switch off because he was flat out through the early stages of the race or is he a very relaxed horse? Probably a combination of both. Um, and Oshin continues to remind everybody that he is the future and he is not only a brilliant rider but a brilliant ambassador for racing. He's so eloquent in you know, how he describes how the race goes and he really he can almost paint a picture with words I think he deserves huge credit for that and I think young people coming along like Oshin's only a young man himself but if we're going to talk about helping the sport Oshin Murphy's interviews are a big part of that um, I don't know Ryan if I'm going to agree with you regarding Wichita and Pinatubo I think Wichita has bags of pace I think if they met at Ascot and hopefully they will they might settle that argument. I don't think Pinatubo has replicated the national stakes performance since then. I don't think he did it in the Dewhurst when he beat Arizona two lengths instead of nine lengths. And he didn't do it at Newmarket. I don't buy into the fact that people say he didn't train on. Sometimes horses put in freakish performances like Pinatubo did at the Cura, but they don't back it up. They can't back it up because the term freak means once off. Uh, I'm not saying he's a one-off horse. I, like he's quite rightfully champion two-year-old, but remember, too darn hot. People were saying, "Oh, he didn't train on," but he managed to win at Group One level as a three-year-old. But he definitely wasn't as good a three-year-old as he was a juvenile. Um, so this was a very good guineas. There was a lot of depth to it. Military March comes out with a with a lot of credit. The the main two disappointments for me were. Arizona, to me, looked like he lost his action. Um, I can't put it down to the track because obviously he'd run in the Dewhurst before. And, and Mum's tipple, obviously, tailing off was another big blow for him. Actually, the Royal Dornock as well, the Royal Lodge winner who actually beat Kameko in the Royal Lodge, never looked like getting involved. So this, I think this was a good race, but there's a lot of questions to be answered going forward. Will Kameko stay the Derby trip? And Wichita Pinatubo rematch over a mile at Royal Ascot? Pretty nice. Just a, a couple of things before we move on. Uh, Sweeter Still, who is the mayor of Cameco, was bred by a certain Anne Marie O'Brien and was sold for $750,000 back in 2014, having been not sold the year before. Uh, then went back through the ring another three times before eventually being sold for $1,500. <laughs> She's now. <laughs> She's now under armed guard, I believe was the quote today. Um, priceless at, at this point. And as you were talking about Oshie and Murphy being a great ambassador, I thought it was lovely that he talked about how this horse is by the same sire as Roaring Line and just evoking memories of, of that wonderful horse. I, I thought that was a really nice and, and very good and classy thing for him to do. But the key question that I want to ask you here, because the front four are the ones that I think we need to, to focus on. Um, Kevin Ryan's horse obviously has done very, very well. Huey Morrison's had a, a big price horse run a, a huge race and Kinross looks to be still filling his frame. But Pinatubu is going to be the focus of attention. And Ryan's already mentioned the fact that, actually, Ryan, can you tell me what price are they for the St. James's Palace Stakes? on Betfair. If it's not on the exchange, we'll take the sportsbook prices. Yeah, we have it up on the sportsbook, Emmett. Um, we put Pinatubo in 13-day favourite slightly. I don't think Jane will agree given uh, her thoughts. Uh, slightly but no, it might, it might be value. Yeah, That yeah. might be where the value lies. Yeah, he, he's 13-8. He's uh, Wichita is 7-4. Uh, I think it's around 5-1 then, bar the two of them. So, um, 
it's probably going to be it's probably going to end up being a match on the day. I, ju- I just felt that Wichita. I know Jane is saying he's not short pace. I just think he's a really high cruising speed and he can sustain that for a, for a long period. Whereas Pinatubo, I think, um, is able to quicken off a gallop. And I just don't think that Newmarket has really suited that for him in his two runs. Um, he just doesn't look at home to me around the track. So I think that's why he might turn the form around. Um, next week at Aronaska. It, it's entirely possible. It's going to come very quick though. And and this is the thing that I, I wanted to focus on with Jane. So he his juvenile rating is the highest since Celtic Swing way back in 19 dickety do. Uh, no horse has achieved a rating as, as, as high as him. Sometimes that's a curse, isn't it? All these big high, yeah, all these juvenile ratings. Sometimes that's a curse. Yeah. Well, it certainly proved to be that way with the horse that you mentioned too darn hot last year, who is a, a very good example. But in in terms of a horse's physical development, so y- you saw Pinatubu up close at the Curra last year before his devastatingly impressive performance in the Vincent O'Brien National Stakes, which I've talked about as being one of the most extraordinary performances I've ever seen on a race course. Being in the stand and the crowd erupting two furlongs out, just knowing he had it won, was surreal. However, the, a lot of the commentary about him at the weekend was he hasn't grown a lot. Charlie Appleby himself was saying that. Charlie Appleby wasn't giving many interviews before the race. And what he had said was, I think he's trained on. So the question I want to ask you is, given the fact that his rating was so high, you could have expected him to run below par, but still have too much and go and win. That would have been, I think, a reasonable statement to make. But in the time it takes, and particularly given the Rona delay, to racing kicking off from when the flat season ends over the winter to the flat season beginning. So from a horse going from a two-year-old to a three-year-old, what kind of physical development and growth do we tend to see with horses during that time period? And to your eye, watching it on, on TV, as we all are these days, how did Kameko, Wichita and Pinatubu look to you from their juvenile days to their three-year-old days now? Yeah, well, the main thing is if there is growth for development. So often when you have a, a raw two-year-old, raw is the term we use, where they're bony, they're scrawny, they're that guy in school who his mother buys him a pair of trousers that's two inches too long for him because she knows he's going to grow into it in no time. And then you have a Pinatubo who looked the furnished article as a two-year-old and you're thinking he's very forward now is there any more room for him to to strengthen? So you'd imagine come the Guineas time or come their three-year-old season, that raw frame has been furnished with flesh. They've rounded off with muscle, hence they've got stronger. And the already furnished Pinatubo has less room for improvement. That's probably what you're looking for. I'd be very slow to judge a horse on screen. Uh, Because we all know how screens get adapted. Uh, Sometimes they're not even in real size. So I haven't seen Kameko in the flesh, but I have seen Wichita and he's a bull of a horse. Now he's not, the structure of Arizona as a two-year-old really got me thinking that he was the horse to follow and that he had the improvement to make up the two lengths that the Dewhurst beating uh, Pinatubo gave him. Uh, And as it transpired, he just didn't run his race. But you know, with Kameko going forward, being by Kitten's Joy, you, you'd you'd associate a Racing Post Trophy winner more with Classic Glory than than a National Stakes winner. 
and that's no no insult to Pinatubo and, and I hope he comes back but if you are trying to describe to somebody the maturity rate from two to three it isn't always the champion juveniles that actually go on to maintain that superiority as older horses True enough, but uh, the national stakes has led to plenty of horses going on and, and succeeding afterwards. To win the guineas, yeah, to win the guineas. But do they, does it produce Derby horses? No, it wouldn't. It would not be traditionally known as that. I'm just looking at recent winners. So Churchill, who then kind of faded, Air Force Blue. Yeah, well, yeah, he won yeah. both guineas. To be fair, he to did. Churchill, he won both guineas. He did, and I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, Glenn Eagles, who did the same, he won both, both guineas. guineas and the St James's Palace Stakes. Don Approach. Um, so yeah, I mean Don Approach, <coughs> and the dog wants to have you saying now as well. Not only the yeah. uh, not only the, the the cow, but the dog <coughs> wants in on the action as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I see your point. Like the the national stakes is more of a a miler. 10 furlong horse for the future as opposed to a potential derby winner. So the other question I wanted to ask you then is with regards to Pinatubu, because in an almost perverse way, if Pinatubu had run similar to Arizona, I would almost excuse that. I'd be much quicker to forgive that because... Would you? Would you prefer he run no kind of race than to run only beaten a length and a neck? Well, Jesus, I, I don't know. That 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 would be a conclu- a, con- a conclusive. I have not trained on. Whereas be- being beaten less than two lengths in a, in a classic is surely uh, a statement that I have retained ability. Do you think Arizona hasn't trained on? It's unfair to say that. As I said, I think it looked like he lost his action. I'm not going to make an excuse saying it was a track because he's run on it before. But I definitely wait to because we know he's better than than he's run. Yeah, so if Pinatubu had bombed out, I would say, well, that's just a bad day at the office and maybe his preparation was hindered by the delay for the race. He's clearly better than that. Give him another chance next time out and we may get a bigger price about him. But that's not what happened. What happened is two horses who couldn't get near him on in ratings anyway as a juvenile, and particularly Wichita, who he buried in the Dewhurst, finished in front of him. And he couldn't he could not reel those horses in. So there's two things in my mind. One, he wasn't quite ready, which seems a bit far-fetched because one of the things Charlie Appleby was saying was, we're not going to give this horse a prep run. And that was even before Rona. And the second thing is maybe his best days are behind him. Maybe he was a brilliant juvenile and now he'll be a too darn hot type of horse where the others have just caught up with him. That's why I was asking you about the physical development of horses. There's one other possibility there. Go. There's one other possibility that this season they were so ready to go in April and May that they could be over the top. Yeah, that, and that's why you have to give them the benefit of a doubt. That, that's one of the things I was saying, that, that the delay may very well have hampered. But if it did, it didn't affect Andrew Balding. It didn't affect uh, Aidan O'Brien. Um, it may very well have with Arizona. But there is there is such complexity to this question. Um, so let's talk then about the St. James's Palace Stakes. So we know that Kameko, the current line of thinking from Andrew Balding is he wants to go for the Derby. Um, I think Sheikh Fahad wants to go for the Derby, but David Redford is, is the, the main advisor and he thinks winning the Derby. He'll go for the Derby. Well, he, he thinks winning the Derby's Derby... the best race of the, the classic generation. He'll go for the Derby. Uh, 100%. I don't, know, I don't know what he's thinking commercially that a Derby could be detrimental to Stallions career. I think David Redford is now... If you got a derby, you take it with both hands. Well, it's the basis of the Coolmore operation. 
It's literally they want it's to win. It's the basis of many an operation. Yeah, yeah you can. Uh, Mr. Oppenheimer, Khaled Abdullah, like the, the, the Derby is the best race of the classic generation. It always has been. It's the race that when you're a kid, it's the first, un, probably only one you can name alongside, you know, the Grand National is the best known race in, in National Hunt Sphere. And the Epsom Derby is the world renowned, it's, it's like the Kentucky Derby in America. It's the yeah. world renowned race for flat horses. Everybody wants to win it. So I don't quite get, and, and just in case you're not aware of these comments, David Redford's has- I am aware of them. I just don't No, I'm, I'm, and talking, I think, I'm talking about our listeners. In, in case our listeners oh, aren't aren't aware that um, David Redford has, has suggested that winning the Derby could be detrimental to your commercial value, which I can already see Ryan is going, what the hell is that kind of a comment? Well, uh, like it didn't hurt Dubawi when he finished exactly. second in the exactly. Derby and, and like the list goes on. All of the leading owners want to win this race. All of the leading breeders want to win it. So it makes sense that he'll go. Andrew Balding has said he wants to run, but ultimately David Redfers will, will, will determine. But uh, look, Roaring Lion ran on it, so I don't see any reason why he won't. Um, Wichita, and it didn't do Roaring Lion's commercial value any harm. Ex- you know, when he f- got beaten in the Derby, people could see that he didn't stay the trip and he ran a fantastic race. Exactly. And everybody could see that. Exactly. Well said. Uh, but Wichita and Pinatubu, we will see in action very, very soon, as Ryan has stated already at Royal Ascot. When you see those prices, 13 to 8 Pinatubu, 7 to 4 Wichita, there's very, very little between them, but Pinatubu is favourite. In the rematch, who do you favour, Jane? I think Wichita will confirm the form. I do too. Ryan is disgusted with both of us, though. They they didn't gamble on him because it was uh, going to be a flash in the pan. He mm-hmm. justified their support. Yeah, the, the lads came out and, and they had their go. And to be fair, and this was pointed out by a number of Final Forum podcast listeners who listened back to the Aidan O'Brien interview on the show, how many times did Aidan O'Brien mention Wichita? He kept saying his name over and over and over again. Which made me rethink, oh, he's not going to be a pacemaker. He's going to be a big player. Um, <laughs> Is that when you realised or was it when that, they jumped out of the stalls? No, no, no. I, I'd realised beforehand. He'd a half decent rider on him as well, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't often be put on the pacemaker. That fellow will go far, I'd say. He's probably a name to watch out for during... He probably, would, he probably wouldn't know how to make a pace, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, only, he's only the best guy from the front in the world. Um <laughs> I think. But in he, fairness, like we're, we're sorry, Emma. We're, like, we're giving our opinion on this in James Palace, but like it's such a strange year that it's it's such a tricky one. We don't know who. Like it's it's such a short gap between both races that you know what I mean. If something ran a poor race next week, I wouldn't really judge them on that either. Too harshly. Yeah, so, like you, you're yeah. also we're forgetting the likes of Threat who are going straight to Royal Ascot, and will that benefit exactly. them having not got a hard race two weeks in advance of the race? So there's so many happy mediums that we can discuss when when Royal Ascot comes around. But at the moment, we've concluded that the, this year's 2000 Guineas was a very deep race. Yeah. Um, so Jane and I are in the Wichita camp. Ryan, we're going to be doing five Royal Ascot previews beginning on Saturday. Jane will be on the review show and uh, Nick Luck on one of the review shows as well. Ryan, you may very well be on one of those shows too. We haven't completely done the, the schedule yet, but uh, are you? it sounds as though you are going to be in the Pinatubu camp. Yeah, I think I think it turned the form around Wichita. As Jane mentioned though, look, Tret is in there at 6-1 to one and... If he was to, to beat the two of them, I wouldn't be a whole lot surprised given the proximity to uh, from the Guineas to the St. James' Palace. So, as regards Pinatubo and Wichita go, I think Pinatubo will return to form. But again, I'd be wary of something doing the two of them. Okay. Um, I'm 
I'm slightly concerned about Pinatubu, but I'm fascinated to see what the two of them do against one another in the St. James's Palace Stakes, and you'll see it live. It's, it's obvious. Sorry, I mean, like, it's obvious Pinatubo is not the horse he was last year. So, yeah, like, I understand. I, I, it's not as if I'm saying I think he'll bounce back to win, to win next week by nine lengths. He's definitely not the horse he was last year. I just, I just still think he's, he's that little bit better than with that myself. Uh, just out of interest, Jane, that's another thing as well. Like, beware wide margin winners next time out. Like, his performance at the Curra was stunning, and he had put up a very big performance at Goodwood uh, when he slammed positive, and Lope Fernandez was in behind him that day. He'd beaten him very comfortably as well at the Royal Meeting. So he had put in big performances, but just because you win by a wide margin doesn't mean that was an easy success. It, it sometimes takes an awful lot more out of a horse than we fully understand. So is it possible that his Dewhurst run was slightly disappointing in inverted commas when he won by two lengths because he'd actually put up a massive performance that day and he was still feeling the effects of it? Well, it was difficult to decipher at the time whether Arizona had improved from the run at Curra or... or Pinatubo had disimproved and I think it's a conclusion that Pinatubo disimproved now we're going to talk about Gaeth in a minute and talk mm. about massive performances and trying to repeat those performances I did admire William Buick in the national stakes for getting after Pinatubo he could have let him saunter to the line one or two lengths a winner but we wouldn't really be talking about his explosive national stakes performance then would we and it's going to look very good in his stallion brochure when he were when he eventually retires, that he'll have that picture of the national stakes with nothing second but daylight. Yeah. So I, I do like when a jockey extends the horse to the line, uh, understanding that each day is 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 game day. Um, whereas I know, I remember Tom Tom Queeley used to do that with Frankel. He always gave him a backhander to make sure he he gave that explosive performance every day he went out, and he was able to replicate it because he was one of a kind. Um, but look, I have my question marks regarding Gaeth, whether he'll be able to do the same as well. So sometimes no, no spoilers. We'll, we'll we'll keep that. But in terms we'll of Pinatubu, in, in in the locker, in the locker. But yeah, he didn't get an easy race in the national stakes. But if he was as good as his rating of 128 suggests, he would back it up. Yeah, that's that's what I think as well. Um, uh, I'd side with which is a, the pacemaker for the St. James's Palace Stakes. Um, but it's a good point to make about threat. And our first final forum podcast, Royal Ascot preview shows, will be available on Saturday. And uh, you can check out the team involved on at Radio Emmet on Twitter. Uh, the next day, the 1,000 guineas at Newmarket, the first one for the Phillies. Uh, goes to Aidan O'Brien and his only runner in the race, love for Ryan Moore, who gave this horse an absolute peach of a ride. Uh, the market is something that fascinates me here again in terms of this race because she was a little bit, was she easy in the market? Would that be fair to say or solid? And the in-running play as well. Uh, obviously a lot of money for quadrilateral. How did the market play out beforehand, Ryan? Yeah, she was. Uh, she was very. She was easy enough to back. As we said um, before the race, Emmett. She was out to around six point eight at one stage on on the exchanges. Raffle Prize was the interesting market mover of the race. She went off uh, close to second favourite in the end. She she halved in price um, from the show down to down to when they jumped. She obviously disappointed. Um, as regards love goes, she was around seven point oh for the Oaks before the. Um, before the 1,000 guineas, she's now trading at 2.5, so she's 6 to 4 now on the exchanges. 
which is, it is short, but she's such an uncomplicated filly and the fact she's related to both um, flowering and peach tree that excels, well, done well over a mile and a half and a mile and three quarters. Um, the trip should be no problem to her. Uh, as for the track, I think the track, the track would be fine for her. She looks very uncomplicated, as I mentioned. She was matched as big as 30 for the Oaks, so some people are sitting on nice bets. Um, yeah, but going into the Oaks, as I said, she's now 2.5, so she she is short. But when you go through that market, when you go down through it, you have um, Quadrilateral, who's obviously second favourite in the market, around 7.2. I, I'd imagine on the day, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be between them two. Domino Darling's still not out of it. Uh, if you look at the betting on the exchange, she's at 11, the back and 12 to late. She's entered on Saturday, I think, um, in a listed race. But she's only had one run in a maiden. So she's going to be taking on both Love and Quadrilateral if she does end up in the Oaks. And they've obviously done... Uh, much more than they I think that she has so uh, although she is a short price love there's no real negatives heading towards the Oaks as I said she should handle the track in my opinion it's very uncomplicated um, she should stay the trip given given her pedigree and quadrilateral quadrilateral is probably a little bit of value more so from an each way point of view at the moment I feel I don't think I'll be back in love at around uh, 6 to 4 but when you look at quadrilateral she, she for the first half of the race she never really settled and she running on late to nearly snatched second and so there was a lot of promise in her run obviously she was beaten a further distance than you'd like by love um, to give her hope of turning around at Epsom but on the day I think it'll definitely be between just the two of them I can't see too much frankly Darling was obviously impressed with winning her maiden but I think she, she needs a few more runs before we see her at her best she was still a little bit inexperienced that day having only her second start so if I was having a bet in the Oaks now I'd probably chance quadrilateral each way to get closer to love but, but love is the one that they all have to beat obviously just before we get Jane's thoughts on the race and you're looking at the bet for exchange Oaks prices what's the price on Dunnick O'Brien's Fancy Blue Fancy Blue is a oh. not in the betting for the for the Oaks ever changes I what? think she's only entered in the Irish Oaks. I'm not sure well, she's entered in Epsom. The, well, there's no entries, isn't there? It's a, it's basically oh. five day entries for Epsom, isn't that it? Because they they had to change things, so so things get um, a little bit changed. I'm I'm going to try and, and find out what the price is in, in the background. Or Ryan can find out as we we, we have yeah we have she's she's in the sports book. Emma at twenty five to one. So. Twenty five. Get her out of the exchanges. Twenty fives. Yeah. Okay. Can can you get her added to the exchanges, please? Because she's going to run in the. If you wouldn't mind, that'd be fantastic, Ryan. Okay, as we speak, as we speak, Emma. Excellent. Because we'll see Fancy Blue at the Curra on Saturday in the One Thousand Guineas, and I think we might see a bold show. Anyway, uh, Jane Mangan, love conquers all. All you need is love, Jane, and insert other cliches. Uh, this was a hugely impressive performance. Only one runner from Aidan O'Brien in the race, and now we know why. Yeah, she was very good. Uh, Ryan kept reiterating, very uncomplicated, and he gave her a very safe, uncomplicated ride. She won with an awful lot of authority. I liked I liked her last year. I think she probably had one run too many towards the end of the year. Um, as Ryan has alluded to, she's bred to stay, but She's out of a pivotal dam. Galileo Pivotals work so well with fillies like Hydrangea, Hermosa, Hydrangea, and the light. The list goes on there, and and they all quite did well from a mile to a mile and a half. So, yeah, she she'll stay. There's no question about that. Quadrilateral, I think, came out. Now I am aware we're skipping Cloak of Spirits, who deserves serious credit, having made the running. 
and, and maintain second. I thought when she hit the rising ground, she was going to succumb to the horses that potentially closing from behind, but she actually stuck her head out really well uh, for Andrea. And uh, I thought she still hasn't got the credit she deserves for finishing second, having done her own thing in front. Um, quadrilateral was keen going to post. She's a very difficult ride. I wouldn't say very difficult ride, but she, she needs cover. And drawn where she was, uh, she wasn't going to get it. She she bounced quick and ended up, Jason Watson had no choice but to just take, follow through a cloak of spirits and um, essentially she never switched off. She reminds me a little bit of Steve Class. Uh, Steve Class is even more settled than her, but she was dropped out every day. She ran James Doyle, rode her with an awful lot of patience. And I could see, I see no reason why quadrilateral will will settle at Epsom amongst horses I think she'll have to be dropped in mm-hmm. personally if she was mine she'd come to the Curra. she'd be a much easier ride there see if class came to the Curra and it worked for her um, so look I'm sure Roger Charlton had a day to forget that day I remember he, he towards the end of the day he had a horse withdrawn at the start uh, went under a stall so just wasn't uh, the best day for them final song ran really well for Pat Cosgrave under the stars Mill Isle huge disappointment um, again a bit like Arizona you can't say she didn't handle the track because of course she she did last year when she won the Chivley Park um, I would question the depth of this race I, I would say the 2000 guineas was a good race but Love won as she liked she won four and a half five lengths um, she's She's the filly that will be, I think, could carry all before her this year. Does I don't she, see what's out there to beat her. Does she deserve to be as short as Ryan has quoted her for, for the Oaks? Yeah, take it all day long. <laughs> she won't get any longer anyway. <laughs> oh, uh, she won't be getting any longer and take it all day long. Um, Ryan, so when, what's going to beat her? Do you, do you think anything in France is good enough to beat her? No. No. I certainly don't. No. And, uh, she's probably the best in Ireland the only filly that I could see at a mile and a half with the capacity to improve could be Alpine Star and listening to the Harrington team I don't think she's going to run this weekend I think Jessie's running Albina and, and another filly so again Alpine Star remains the unknown quantity but she's an awful lot to, to, to reach uh, love if she's going to be at that level. And we we don't really know what's going on with Alpine Star. Like, she's not, she didn't turn up to the 1,000 guineas. She doesn't seem as though she's going to turn up to the Curra. So that's, none of that is particularly encouraging because she was also due to run as a juvenile and didn't uh, towards the end of the season. So, you know, I'm not putting words in, in anyone's mouth, but that's slightly concerning. Well, look, she's owned by the New Yorkers family. She's trained by Jessica. There's, there's no innuendos there. I think if there's anything to be known, they'd, they'd let the public know. They're, they're not a gambling outfit. They're not, you know, it's, it's fairly straightforward. I think they're they're just training their filly how she is. And remember, the New Yorkers family have Albina. So mm-hmm. perhaps they didn't want to run both against each other. And it looks like Albina at a mile could be the sharpest of the two. Yeah, that's a, that's a very fair point. And um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see how, how all of that plays out. But uh, what, what is your thoughts on Fancy Blue from what you saw as a juvenile? Yeah, she was very good in the Staffordstown stud stakes. Uh, she actually surprised me that day. She came from way off the pace. Jamie Heffernan rode her with what looked like 
riding her for black type and ended up getting up close home. The race hasn't really worked out that well. But in saying that, she has, I think, a lot of room to improve because she wasn't fancied off the boards in the market either day. She won her maiden at Nace over seven. And then obviously to the Curra at a mile. So look, she's by Deep Impact. She's out of Sister Dye Chaparral. So you'd imagine the Oaks trip will be ideal for her. But uh, look, with all these fillies, you have to just see how they train on. And uh, I'd like to see her at the Curra before I make an evaluation on her. Okay, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that and some of the Oaks trials that we saw, but by the sounds of things, it's love all the way, so for Jane Mangan. And uh, Ryan, you have to say, it was a stunningly impressive visual performance as well from Ryan Moore and Aidan O'Brien, but we should also give a mention to Saeed Bin Saror. Final song finishes fourth, Military March finished fourth as well in the 2000 Guineas. Um, final song was a massive price in the 1000 Guineas. And you were making that price comparison between Military March and Kimeko. Uh, Saibin Soror has been pretty confident about the horse now. Whether or not you want to take that price, though, given the fact that Kimeko won the 2000 Guineas and he finished second, I can see how things will improve for him as he goes up and trip for the Derby. But it, at least it means Saibin Soror actually has something to go to war with this season. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, he, obviously, as you said, he, he two horses run really well in both classics and he'd be looking forward to the rest of the season with both of them. Final song is obviously not going to go the the Oaks trip. Um, she's not in the betting for that, but she, she was beating five lengths in the end. I think obviously Love won by whatever it was, just over four lengths, so it was a bit of a bunch finish for, for the places. But no, she ran a cracker on the day, final song, and, and as we said, military match would be an exciting runner in the derby um, for the same connections. But going back to Love... Um, She's that price for the Oaks now for a reason. I think the fact she won over four lengths would suggest that they're going to have to improve a lot to to, to get by her. I know I was mentioning that quadrilateral from an each-way standpoint. I do think that the race will cut up and she should definitely finish in the frame on the day. Maybe she might be a best for them without Love on the day, but Love will take uh, plenty of beating and Jane's probably not too far off the mark saying that the price is... Um, it's reflective of her chances. She, she might even get shorter. And as a Group One winning juvenile, uh, winning over seven furlongs in the Moyglar, do you think that she has the capacity to be the next minding Jane, or is that way too lofty an expectation for her? Um, honestly, honestly, Emmett, I think minding uh, is probably the best filly I've seen in my my years to date, and I don't think she ever got the credit for what she has, what Agreed. she achieved. Uh, I think if she was a Colt, we'd still be looking at adverts for her. But um, honestly, no, I, I, I don't see a minding coming around very often. What she did from a, a mile to a mile and a half back to a mile, all at three, it was a desperate pity that she got uh, injured as a four-year-old. I think the world was her oyster. Oh, she so could have dominated. To be, to be comparing her to, to minding is probably unfair. Uh, but I would love to see, I would love to see her at a mile and a half. And it's a pity the the program is so condensed that you probably should, most definitely can't attempt to do the the Oaks treble, but I think she would have the ability to do that. Yeah, uh, it'll be Epsom over Ireland, you would imagine. I guess they could choose to run in, in the in the Curra instead, but you would imagine it'll be Epsom and the Oaks there. Uh, one final note on the classics before we move on to the Coronation Cup. The starter reported Pinatubu was the subject of a third criteria failure, so he can't run now 
until the day after passing a stalls test. How awkward is that going to be for his preparation for Royal Ascot, Jane? Not one bit. You can get a stalls test done any afternoon, so I wouldn't turn a hair. Realistically, if you have a little issue with the stalls, you want to get, get him to walk through it anyway. The only difference is you're going to get a clerk uh, from the BHA to come down and, and watch him go through. So that is a weight off your mind in case you were stressing about that in terms of his prospects for the St. James's Palace Stakes. Uh, let's talk about older horses. The Coronation Cup, the Hewworth Bloodstock Coronation Cup was running on the Friday, uh, switched to Newmarket. The Derby winner, Anthony Van Dyke against Reath, Gayath, whoever, uh, Stradivarius in behind as well. Uh, Ryan, the market spoke very, very positively about Reath. I presume that was reflected on the exchange as well. And in running... We basically had it all his own way, so he must have just been getting shorter all the time. Yeah, he never really touched a, a bigger price, um, Emmett, than than what he did pr- uh, prior to the race. As you mentioned, he he jumped out, good and good and forward, and, and made all and and broke the course record. Um, he was very good. Uh, he hit two point six eight, which is which is slightly bigger than what he went off, but uh, obviously. He won well in the end, and um, William Buick got him settled nicely in front after probably half a mile. Just reading the trainer's comments after the race, Charlie Appleby did say that the Prince of Wales was on his mind, but surely that would come too soon from given the fact his best runs are are with um, a gap in between his races. He obviously disappointed in the in the arc last season. I don't know whether they'd want to go back go back there this season. That was only after, four weeks after he won in Germany by 14 lengths so generally to me looking at his form he puts up a, a monstrous performance and then doesn't quite back it up um, if he's ran in a short space of time so I was surprised to hear Charlie Appleby actually mentioned the Prince of Wales was on his mind but they're thinking of dropping him back to a mile of war that was obviously over a mile and a half so wherever he does go next he's obviously going to take a plenty of beating given he's rated 126 and he was very good um, last Friday I thought it was a really good run from Anthony Van Dyke though he, he Although he did win the Derby last year, he disappointed a couple of runs um, around that race. So it's good to see him bounce back to form. And obviously Stradivarius too was an eye-catcher in third um, in preparation for the Ascot Gold Cup next week. Frankie kind of gave him an easy time inside the, the final half for them, for them or so um, to finish third. Broom wasn't wasn't disgraced, I suppose, down the field. I, think, I still think there's a race in him this season, a big race in him this season. I thought he might get a little closer maybe three or four furlongs out. Uh, he was racing alongside Anthony Van Dyke and Anthony Van Dyke then made the grounds to get within two and a half lengths of Gayat. But there's no doubt how good Gayat is when everything falls right from. But just the key to him is getting everything to fall right. And I think he's, his form shows anyway that he that he's best with, with a decent break in between his races. So, as I said, I was surprised to see Charlie Happily mentioning um the Prince of Wales from um, if he was mine I'd definitely try and try and give him a six or eight week break but Charlie Alpenby's trained plenty when there's no trained no well I agree with you and I, I think there's a, a possibility that it could be the eclipse that she, that he goes for instead, which would see him taking on an able. But uh, let's deal with the the race in front of us. Um, shout out to Declan Ricks. Said he would get his own way in front and wouldn't be pegged back. Well done, Rixie. And uh, you can read his latest article for attheraces.com where he assesses the classics right now uh, for free on your iPhone, Android, smartphone, tablet. You can probably read it on the TV as well. I don't know. Um, wherever you can get internet access, you can re- read his uh, very insightful thoughts. Um, you were alluding to this performance beforehand, Jane. So this was a course record. We had the fastest ever running of the 2000 guineas as well. A very fast weekend at Newmarket. 
what was your impression of Gayath? Um, I had him branded as a horse who was reliant on soft ground, so he put that very much to bed last weekend. Um, I think his performance in Baden-Baden last year was superior against inferior opposition, and then he went, of course, and got taken on in the arc, went too fast, and ultimately couldn't last home. So I thought, mm, I can write him off. Market was very strong on him before the race uh, on Friday, and it proved justified. Maybe it was all Declan Ricks's money, maybe. Um, he got his own way, but he was keen for the first four furlongs. All the temporary you know, he, money. He really, he really took on William Buick for the first, despite the fact that he wasn't being taken on. He still wasn't an easy ride. Uh, and William got the fractions right on him, despite his partner asking him to go faster all the time. Uh, it was a very good performance. Um, but I think I am dubious, if you will, back it up. I think the next day, ordinarily, if you had a an enable or if you were taking on Gaeth with another type of horse, you'd put in something there to make sure that he doesn't settle, to make sure he gets taken on. But you'd have to put in a very speedy horse to do that because it's not every horse is going to break and keep up with him. Mm. Um Anthony Van Dyke ran well. Not surprised by that. He ran well in when he was third to Magical in the Irish Champion Stakes and he was third in, in the Breeders' Cup as well. So yeah, he had disappointed in the King George on heavy ground after the derby. But yeah, I, he, he he just, he's probably a slow burner. He's probably a horse that will win a group one against uh, as an older horse when nobody else is on him. Stradivarius got a, a hard enough race. Um, I, I I was watching Frankie's body language to to see if he was riding the race with Ascot in mind, and absolutely not. He he was the first man to go chasing the leader, and uh, his horse ultimately ran a very good race. Broom and Defoe ran fine. Uh, Defoe was probably a bit disappointing, but it, it was all about Gaeth on the day. He's a monstrous looking horse. He's huge, really big stride. And it was good for him to put in that kind of performance on t- on firm ground because he's kind of dispelled all the the, the thoughts that he was reliant on, on on a cut in the ground. So good for him. Yeah, uh, out of a Irish Oaks winner as well in night time, isn't that right? It was night time trained by Dermot Weld. Galileo's first Group One winner, and Gaeth is bred by Dermot Weld. There you go. Um, probably a little bit sickened that he doesn't still have him, but I'm sure he's telling everybody that he knew that he would be a, a Coronation Cup well, winner. Well, Nighttime won the Oaks in the colour of um, Dermot's mother. Um, so it would be a family very close to, very good to that Weld family. You know, it's been it's very been very lucrative, but it's been very good to them on the racetrack as well. Big time. Big time. Um, Long-term prospects, though, from this race. I, I thought your comments on Stradivarius were interesting. A little bit concerned about the fact that he hung right. Um, because he shortened, actually, Ryan, if you could give us the Gold Cup betting, I'd, I'd be very interested. Uh, Q Gardens has to go there without a prep run. He goes there with one. Um, but it's going to come pretty quickly, Jane, and he did hang right a little bit. I just wonder if that is possibly going to leave a mark on him with Royal Ascot only a week away. Obviously, they went out content that he was fit because... I suppose number one, you wouldn't line up in a group one if he wasn't. And number two, you certainly wouldn't be the one chasing first if you were worried about fitness. Um, maybe he hung because the ground was so hard. Mm. Um, that being an older horse, a six-year-old, maybe he was just thinking, Frankie, I don't need to be doing this 
when I have a race in two weeks' time. So, look, uh, I I don't I wouldn't be worried about Stradivarius hanging because we we know from many times watching him race, he's really tough. He's very honest, and if there was an issue with him, he he'd show it. So. Uh, perhaps he was just feeling grounded and all if he'd have raced on anything that quick before in his life. Uh, Ryan, what is the current betting on Betfair for the for the Gold Cup at Ascot? Uh, Stradivarius is 2.0, Emmett, so even money Stradivarius. Q Gardens is 4.3, 10.5 technician and 13 cross counter. There's been, there hasn't been too much said um, regards Q Gardens, so... Um, it'll be interesting to see whether he does turn up on the day or not Stradivarius is obviously as I said he's an even money favourite now and you can see why Technician is third third favourite he obviously took his, his form to a new level in France, in France at the back end of the last season but it's just hard to know whether obviously a week and a half gap or two week gap is going to be um, I presume John Gosling obviously left a lot to work with in Stradivarius but it's interesting points that Jane makes that that Frankie was the first to go after to, to go after Gayat but you just wonder whether you might rather be fresh going to the Ascot Cold Cup. Obviously, it's, it's over an extreme trip, so the horses and it's at Royal Ascot, so the horses are going to be fit. That obviously run against them, and um, obviously, race fitness is, is a different thing. But just the fact it's only two weeks, you obviously would have liked the longer gap in between the race. But he is the class horse in the race, and they're going to have to improve a lot to get to him outside of Kew Gardens, which, as I said, there hasn't been too much mention of, of him around the race. Ryan, clearly, you did not listen, and for shame to the interview with Aidan O'Brien on the Final Forum podcast. Uh, Q Gardens goes to Royal Ascot and goes for the Gold Cup. Well, there you go. He's 4.3. <laughs> so get stuck in. He'll take advantage of a softened up Stradivarius and thrash him, just like he did at Ascot last year over two miles. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated in that race. In terms of the, the front two, uh, Anthony Van Dyke could be a Highland Reel. Some people were suggesting that, Jane, that he could be he could be a bit of a globetrotter this season. I see him winning Group 1s. Is Gayath a horse, then, who you are quite keen to be taking on for the rest of the season? Uh, I agree with the second sentiment, and the only relation that Anthony Van Dyke is to Highland Reel is that he's by Galileo. <laughs> uh, like, Highland Reel, uh, the term, oh, he's a Highland Reel, that gets used flippantly. Very few horses, uh, if if any, can do what he did uh, at such a consistent level. A hero. Uh, um. So, to be, yeah, a brilliant, brilliant horse. So, don't, I would I would say he could be a globetrotter. He has the pedigree to do it. His mother is an Australian sprinter. His sister is a champion Australian sprinter. Uh, he can versatile on. Well, no, he's not really versatile ground wise. He he needs quick ground. Um. But we know he can go from a mile and a quarter to a mile and a half. And I'd imagine those big money races might be open to him. But I certainly wouldn't consider him in the same league as an, as a Highland Reel. Where would you like to see him campaigned, King George? I'd love to see him in a Canadian international. <sighs> Great shout. Something like... Send him to Woodbine. Something like that. But at the moment, uh, travelling abroad isn't all that straightforward. So look, we'll... We'll take our time. True enough. Uh, on that mindset, actually, just success for Ryan Moore, obviously, on love. Frankie Dettori being brought in. Uh, we saw James Doyle being brought in for Coolmore as well. The the usual go-to guys can't be used. Jamie Heffernan, Wayne Lorden, Dunica's off the board. He's a trainer now. Um, and we don't know when these restrictions are going to be lifted. So jockey bookings for Bally Doyle are going to be a little bit tricky. Now, anybody who's a leading jockey who's going to be available will be queuing up to ride for Aidan O'Brien 
but a lot of people will be trying to snap jockeys up, particularly with a view to Royal Ascot. How do you see that unfolding, Jane? Um, I could see if a lot of the really top, top guys, like a Frankie, doesn't have uh, a retained ride in a particular group one, and Jane Mangan wants to book him for a 33 to one shot. Well, Frankie would be well within his rights to say, look, Jane, I'm going to wait till morning declaration to see if Aidan O'Brien needs me. And, and like people understand that. There's very few horses in a race where you can say, I have a chance of winning. You know, like realistically, you have to be top three or four in the market unless it's a wide open race. And Frankie and... There's a, there's a lot of top jockeys in and will get the opportunity to ride for Valley Doyle having never done it before. We saw it Tom Arkan. It's unfortunate that Royal Dornock didn't run a better race for him, but Tom Arkan didn't do anything wrong. So what's to say that he won't get to ride again, you know? So uh, where this has closed a few doors for the likes of Shamie Heffernan and Wayne Lord and going over, it'll open open doors here at the Curra this weekend where Shamie and Wayne will have brilliant rides and classics over here. So it's just spreading it about maybe a little bit more. And I wouldn't read too much into jockey bookings. I know Frankie was on Wichita and Wichita was very strong in the market. But if you were riding more and, you know, you hadn't been in Valley Doyle riding work and you were looking at form, you'd have to pick Arizona. Oh, yeah. And uh, the vibes were very strong for Arizona as well coming into the race. So I, I wouldn't overanalyze these situations and think, oh, Frankie got on the number one. I just I don't believe that. No, neither do I, by the way. I think it just happened that on the day, for whatever reason, Wichita ran a, a massive race. And obviously the lads, they knew. Um, and you could consider the pacemaker to be a little bit unlucky not to have run a huge race. Uh, we saw plenty of Derby prospects over the weekend uh, and, and the last few days, including today at Leopardstown, where the Derrinstown Derby trial was run. But uh, English King was a horse that you in particular wanted to highlight, Jane. But before we do that, let's just take a, a current look at the betting on the Betfair Exchange for the Derby. We've already talked about Cameco, but you can include him in this as well. Uh, any significant market movers from the last few days? I presume that English King has been very, very well backed, Ryan. Yeah, English King was matched as big as 180 on the exchange at Emmett. Um, I don't know what stage that was, but um, he was 66 to 1 in the sports book before he won his trial at Linkfield last Friday. He was obviously very impressive in doing so. He's currently 5.8 second favourite behind Kamiko for the Derby's 5.1 Kamiko, as you mentioned earlier on. Um, military March is 6.6, it's 9.2 Mogul. Um, obviously, Mogul didn't run tip today at Leopardstown, so it'll be interesting to see whether he does end up in, in, in the English Derby or the Irish Derby. Um, and that's a big price bar, bar the four of them. I think it's around 26 then. Russian Emperor, who was obviously beaten today and 42 mythical. So it currently revolves around the, the, the front four in the market at the moment. Um, English King was obviously really impressive at Linkfield, as you mentioned. He looks one that will definitely handle the track, given the fact he won at Linkfield. He looks very uncomplicated, a little bit like Love. He has tactical speed. He stays very well. So there's not too many negatives to him, bar the fact that his form will probably need to improve. As we mentioned, the 2000 Guineas was a deep race and should the likes of Military March turn up against English King on the day, from a form point of view, I'd be siding with Military March, um, given the fact it's definitely stronger than, than beating Berkshire Rocco in a trial, I think. Too. It's hard to disagree with that, by the way. Um, be before we get into the UK trials, the Derrinstown Stud Derby trial today, Jane, uh, would you like to tell, Ryan, tell everybody what you told Ryan and us off air uh, just before we started? Uh, Podrick Beggy, his first success since Sovereign, 
in the Irish Derby, which may very well have been his second success before since Wings of Eagles in the Derby itself. Um, Cormanant at 12 to 1 in the Derrinstown Stud Derby trial and Aidan O'Brien 1 2 3. What did you make of the race? Not much. Like, I don't want to waste too much time. Um, usually the Derrinstown Derby trial is, is a, a really good pointer, but I think it's plain to say, like, looking at the entries when you saw Mogul and a couple of high profile names in there and they weren't declared, we were a little bit deflated, and you have to expect that this wasn't the strongest derby trials. Perhaps it was because the ground at Leopardstown today was particularly hard. Um, but I would be very surprised if any any of them figured at Epsom. But look, stranger things have happened, but I wouldn't be getting excited. That's a much more politically correct and considered view from Jane than what she told Ryan and us beforehand. Uh, a 13th Darren Stone stud for Aidan O'Brien, but the horse cost a million. He's got a group three in the CV. Grand. I don't think any of us are climbing over ourselves to go back and for the Derby. Uh, English King, though, Jane, this is a horse that you wanted to focus on. You were quite taken with him. Yeah, I, I, I suppose on pedigree beforehand, you'd have to just, you know, he'd, he'd catch your eye. He's damn as platonic. And, you know, that means he's a, he's a brother to Prudenzia, the dam of Chiquita, family of Alexandrova. It screams classics. Camelot is on fire at the moment on the back of Russian Camelot and a number of other horses setting his name in, in lights and I, I know I appreciate what you're saying about military march but I, I just don't like horses getting beat and um, I, I think this guy is the, the the horse that is full of potential let him be I think he beat a horse rate 108 he beat him like he was doing a piece of work he beat him at Lingfield as well which we know is often a good trial for Epsom it's tight left-hand turn, undulating. Um, I just thought it was a very taking performance and a performance that was more like a piece of work preparing for a race rather than a race going on to another race. He certainly won't have felt any ill effects. He's by a derby winner. His family screams mile and a half. Um, I think Ed Walker has a very, very exciting horse in his stable. Main sequence used this as a prep to finish second for David Lanigan, who's now gone stateside behind Camelot. And Anthony Van Dyke, of course, took this race last year before heading on to Derby victory. Where does English King rank in the Derby prospects for you right now, Jane? Like of all the horses that you've seen over the last few days and of the juveniles that, that you were looking at with a view to the Derby, what's your current pecking order for the race? He'd have to be second to to Kameko because obviously the Guineas is always the the ultimate trial uh, for the for the Derby. But he deserves to be second favourite. I think Mogul is the horse that we all want to see come out. I think he's entered for the Curra, so it'd be good mm. to see him uh, run there. And obviously, I think there's a few Ballydoyle uh, lurkers too. Mythical, uh, another son of Camelot. Um, he ran in a Group One towards the end of the year. He he might have disappointed a little bit in France, but uh, I think he's got a, the scope to improve uh, I think a horse called Santiago has a bit of a, a chance to improve as well they all have to sort themselves out on the track it's all well and good having juvenile form but they all need to come out and prove that they've wintered well and, and, and can 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 compete uh, at the three-year-old level but at the moment Cameco is the horse to beat but English King is a completely unexposed potential a horse full of potential Same I, think, I think that's a fair point sorry that, that Jane makes and it regards to we kind of want to see them on the track before 
making assumptions about about their, their form as two-year-olds and things mm. like that. When you look at the likes of Love Lockett winning today, she was, she was only rated 88. Obviously, Shamey presumably chose to ride her over the likes of um, Tango, who was rated much higher, 104. And she obviously came out and won. So I think it's better, we're better off obviously judging these on the track as three-year-olds. They can improve greatly yeah, from two to three, as we've seen um, with the 2000 games results. So uh, Jane makes a fair point, as I said there, as regards to some of the bigger price Aiden O'Brien's um, horses in, in the derby at the moment. We'd like to see them before we can um, nail down what our thoughts are on them. And what's your current pecking order for the derby, Ryan? Uh, I'm still looking forward to seeing Mogul myself. Um, I backed him the I backed him for the derby before he ran in the Virgin Futurity at, at Newcastle. Obviously, that wasn't the best result for for a follower of Mogul, I was hoping he might win that day, but I wouldn't judge him too harshly on that. Obviously, the form has worked out with Kamiko coming out and winning the Guineas. So I just thought he screamed Derby the horse when he was running over over a mile in, uh, last season. So I'm hoping he, he'll end up in the Derby for starters. And if he does, I think he could be half the price of what he is come the, uh, come the day. He's currently 9.2 on, on the Betfair Exchange, but obviously, you're taking a little bit of a chance that he might not turn up in the race, but I'm hoping he does. No, I completely agree with you. I think he's a very, very interesting horse. The other one I think is interesting is Inish Free. The only problem is that Aidan was saying in the interview with us last week that he has had a little bit of a setback. So does that mean he goes for the Irish Derby instead? And if if he does do that, then it would be highly unlikely he would go for the, the Derby because there's only a week in between. So it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see how the whole thing plays out. But there's some lurkers in the market, to say the least. Jane, we obviously touched on Love and a couple of other fillies. Anything in the Oaks market that has particularly stood out to you? We had a very impressive John Gosden winner over the weekend in the Pretty Polly. Yeah, Run Wild. She's, I think, a, a generous price. Um, I think people didn't maybe give her the credit she deserved for the Pretty Polly win. She was probably a bit keen in front, but she raced wide on her own. Um, and she ultimately won as she liked. She was unchallenged. Um, she beat Queen Denarius, so it was rated 103. So maybe she, she'll obviously have to improve to be competitive with Love on that. But um, I think she's a filly that has left her juvenile form behind and is, is definitely a, a rapid improver. So um, look, I think Love is very short, but she deserves to be where she is in the market. Run Wild, on the other hand, is uh, a dark horse, I'd imagine. Mm, the price on the Better Exchange, Ryan? Runwild is currently trading at 55 on the exchange, Emma. 50? Nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, I, I'd even take that if Connections have publicly stated, yeah, we're not going to run, because people can change their minds. 55s after winning an Oaks trial is huge, and the Pretty Polly's been a, a good trial in, in the back in the day. Um Right, juveniles from the last few days. I, I can think of one that really stood out, uh, and that is the Aidan O'Brien train, More Beautiful, the daughter of Warfront, who absolutely bolted up over five furlongs. Um, your thoughts on her, first of all, Jane? She's now favourite on the Betfair Exchange, I'm imagining, for the Queen Mary. Um, actually, Ryan, I should ask you that question first of all. What kind of price is she currently trading at for Royal Ascot? We threw her in, Emmett, um, at 3-1 to one for, for the Queen Mary on the Sportsbook. We actually don't have the race up on the exchange at the moment. We're waiting for entries to come through because obviously it's been very tricky potent price for these horses over the last week or so, given the fact that we don't know exactly who and what is going to turn up. So, um, as I said, she's 3-1 to one, um, for the Queen Mary on the Sportsbook and she, that race will be up on the exchange when entries come through. 
So Queen Mary or the Albany Stakes was mentioned as possible targets. You'd imagine the, the Queen Mary. Your thoughts on her, Jane? Yeah, I loved her going to the start, to be honest. She was particularly professional for uh, we were typically used to seeing a Bally Doyle two-year-old maybe be a bit green on debut and improve but this really improves on, on her debut performance should be very very good um, she's obviously a sister to Saxon Warrior and Pavlenko it's her mother was a champion two-year-old does, does an awful lot to like I just liked how she did it all on her own essentially when she got to the rail she ran straight and through she didn't need company and and while Shamey gave her a few backhanders, he, he never looked like he was overexerting her. So um, I, I would have to say she was very, very nice. Um, of the remainder, th- I, see, there were so many, so many two-year-old races. Oh, you've heaven for Mark Johnson was good. Good show. Um, the Learjet creative force for Charlie Appleby. There's there's a there's a lot of two-year-olds now. They're just after putting ones beside their names. You don't know what they've beat. You're just going purely on the professionalism of the performance, uh, and and at this stage, you're usually in June. We have a standout two-year-old, but unfortunately, we've only had one week uh, of two-year-old races, and they're all diamonds once they win on debut, aren't they? Uh, yeah, of course. Everybody wants to be getting their hands on them when they've when they've won, but um, it's a uh, it, it's often the case that a horse who finished second or third uh, can improve immeasurably. There is a connection between maybe and love. Um, maybe who is the dam of uh, the horse we're talking about more beautiful um, the widest margin winner of the 1000 guineas love the last widest margin winner was homecoming queen who maybe finished third to back in 2012 god I'm feeling old so there's uh, there's one for the trivia fans that could end up being a featuring in the final forum podcast Christmas quiz towards the end of the year. Um, I think you're 100% right, Jane, in the sense that we shouldn't be getting overly carried away. Uh, that being said, I will ask you about Lipizzaner, who was a horse that was talked up quite a bit. Now, he was second today as a long odds-on favourite. I wouldn't be that surprised if he still goes to Royal Ascot. Yeah, I think he will. Um, I was very pleased with him on debut. Uh, I was disappointed yesterday that he didn't run straight and true. It looked like Shamey got to the front two furlongs out and sent him about his business, sent him to go win his race. And instead of going straight, he went left. And when Shamey switched his stick to his left hand, he went right. So it might have been a fact that the horse was just not used to getting uh, the stick and was was veering left and right away from it. Um, I know the horse on the rail of Jessica Harrington's that actually won the race um, had Lucky the benefit Vega. of the rail having Lucky Vega having having lugged left himself. So I think Lipizzaner is probably a horse of immense talent and and too soon to write him off. But at this stage, I I I would give a horse the benefit of the doubt on debut, but he didn't run straight on his second start, and that's something that would concern me. Uh, older horses, skeptical is a Godolphin cast-off who was picked up for just two thousand eight hundred pounds and is now heading to Royal Ascot for the Diamond Jubilee after winning very impressively uh, at Nace uh, by three lengths for Dennis Hogan. This was really, really impressive stuff, Jane, and quite a fairy tale story. Yeah, brilliant story, and I hope he gets to Royal Ascot in one piece. It would be, he'll have the weight of the country behind him because I think he's the he, he was the highest rated sprinter in the country going into the weekend um, or going into yesterday's race and, and put up performance that he did 
it was a bit of a wow performance. Uh, he travelled through the race like a dream, quickened up, made him look ordinary. And we know that there's a fair level of horse in behind him. So, yeah, 2800 is looking like a pretty value boy now. And Dennis Hogan is making a habit of going to these horses and training sales and identifying real talent. Um, it would be a really great story for racing if he were to to go to Royal Ascot and win but it's it's a, it's a it's a great story that you can buy a horse for 2800 and have a runner Royal Ascot with a live chance in in those top sprints so it is just all round brilliant for racing brilliant for, for everybody involved further proof Ryan that racing is not a sport that is just for toffs as David Baddiel and other comedians would have us believe, as they tweeted over the weekend. Oh my God, um, this is a this is a proper story. Four wins on the bounce from five career starts. Never raced for Godolphin, and as Jane says, Dennis Hogan just has this habit of being able to identify real value. Um, what kind of a price is he currently trading at on Betfair for Royal Ascot now for the Diamond Jubilee? He's twelve for Diamond Jub- Jubilee, Emma, but he's five point oh four to one for the King Stand. So that's Ooh. obviously on the first day of Royal Ascot. So he's second favourite in that market behind the Tash. And Dennis Hogan did mention after the race that he could end up running in boat races that week. So it'd be interesting to see uh, if he does do that. And um, the King Stand, I think, is going to be his first port of call. So look, he, he deserves his place. Dennis Hogan had make a challenge obviously last season that I ended up running the champion sprint at the, the end of the season at Ascot too. So he's had two. Uh, he's hit two diamonds in the last couple of seasons for, for, for cheap money so um, as you said he's a knack of doing it with these horses um, he's on a roll at the moment the horse obviously he was rated 114 going into Nace so although he went off 3-1 to one joint favourite on ratings he was entitled to do what he'd done given the fact that Forever and Dreams was, was £2 below him but he didn't seem to perform on the ground he obviously his best run came on heavy ground so Visually, he was very impressive and he looks the main threat now to Batash. And given Batash has been beaten the last two seasons at, at Royal Ascot, obviously blue points the horse to beat him and he doesn't turn up this season. He's definitely beatable, Batash. We know he has in and out days. So at least they have a horse in form and one that's rated not too far behind what's required to, to win the race. Yeah, big time. He'll be a fascinating contender in that race. Uh, there was very sad news today in, in the racing world and that we lost the legend Gordon Lord Byron. He was 12 years of age, working on the gallops and, and sadly broke down. Uh, we mentioned Globetrotters earlier on. He sort of redefined that term, Jane. He was an absolute legend of a horse and a credit to his connections. Yeah, I suppose the the, the beauty of Lord Gordon Byrne was a story that came with him. You know, he'd fractured his pelvis on debut with Ross Common and he'd been standing in and Tom Hogan, who you know, only have a, a small number of horses trained and brilliantly from group ones in Australia, France, Great Britain and Ireland, you know, so it's, it's, he, he obviously ga- got, gained quite a following because he ran in over a hundred races. Um, but he earned his connections, a lot of money. He gave him an awful lot of joy. He had a documentary made on him. He, he had a fan base. He was so good to even the people working with him, uh, in the stable yard because he took them to parts of the world that, you, you'd only dream about. And what happened today was very sad. Very, Really, I think the whole industry was disgusted to hear it. There, there's a bit of, you know, a lot of reminiscing going on as to how unique he was because mm. there's very few horses with with the profile of Gordon Lord Byron and the, the longevity and consistency that he had. Um, 
yeah, it's 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 a bitter pill for everybody to swallow. But they, all they can do is, you know, be grateful to have been associated with a horse that that'll be remembered for all the right reasons. Well said. Try and look back on the good times, but thoughts with connections, that is a heartbreaking loss. And um, Gordon Lord Byron was a, a proper, a genuinely proper star of racing and a horse you couldn't not but admire. Um, we, we're now a full week of racing back in the UK. We've just returned in Ireland. How have things been going for the return for Betfair, Ryan? I, I know that Jess was saying on the show last week that there was £14 million traded on the opening day of racing at Newcastle alone on, on Sky Sports Racing, uh, just on Betfair, which was on the Betfair Exchange, which was an extraordinary figure uh, and, and goes to show the popularity of the sport as well. Um, the viewing figures from ITV for the weekend were really good. Half a million people watched the, uh, the Coronation Cup coverage, 1.4 million plus tuned in to watch the 2000 guineas and over a million people tuned in to watch the 1000 guineas. Um, and it was nice to see them broadcasting from home as well, because it, as I was saying to Ed, it, it made us feel like we were all part of it. We were, we were all there. Um, so hats off to them. And it, now it does look as though the deal for the rights could very well be on. So, um, positive news all around there. Uh, but in terms of from a betting perspective and from a trading perspective, what has the return of racing been like for you? Yes, yeah, so obviously turnover, Emma, has been through the roof kind of since racing came back from from our point of view and with so many new customers opening accounts. Um, yeah, it's been great from a bookmaker's point of view. Obviously, health and safety is kind of the most important thing as regards getting racing back underway and there's been no negative reports in the in the media um, with the resumption of racing. So everything seems to be going well on that front. You're just hoping with the likes of the Premier Premier League starting back in the next few weeks that, and, and obviously the golf is back this week, that people that were kind of following the sport for the last week and a half or so kind of remain interested in the sport and we can kind of keep people interested as opposed to maybe wander back off to the likes of football or golf or whatever. So there's certainly been, we've seen a, a big rise in, in new customers betting with us over the last week and a half. So whether they're going to continue betting or not, you, you would just hope that they, they continue to follow the sport. And obviously with the weekend racing we've had just gone, been high quality stuff so you'd be hoping that that might have got them booked for the future and we're still very much in the shop window for a while before the premier league resumes but it's it's a good point to make that there is other sport coming back but it's still a great opportunity for our sport jane um you know crisis creates chaos but you have to try and, and look on the bright side and your team rte are going to be stepping into the fold and bringing us more racing uh and more racing coverage i know you're TV partner in crime, Hugh Cahill and yourself are going to be on uh, TV for three special shows, Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays, an hour long coverage and uh, obviously broadcasting from the Curra as well, which is going to be fantastic for us fans who we're not going to be going racing for the foreseeable future. So the fact that RTE have stepped in to show Irish racing to the public is a, is a brilliant thing. Yeah, it is. And I know that the additional shows on RTE are huge. Uh, from our, an Irish perspective, to get the support of your national broadcaster is 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 unbelievable. Um, but it is it is deserved. We have a great product to sell, and I think you know everybody's stressing how how big an opportunity this is. But from a personal perspective, every day you go on to represent your sport and and try and paint a picture is an important day, regardless of whether it's this weekend or a year ago, whether regardless of whether it's RTE or Racing TV, you're going on there where a million and one people would want to be taking your place. Uh, so you have to be top of your game. And 
too. You're you're you know you're trying to portray and, and represent your sport as best you can. So while it is a huge opportunity, we should take every opportunity that you do go on there as a big day, as as you know the day to do your best. So you know for me, the preparation is very much the same. Uh, we'll have the declarations tomorrow morning for for the two thousand guineas and let the excitement begin because it's it's going to be really. Uh, quality is going to be concentrated over the next month, uh, over the next couple of months because we've missed so much time and uh, really looking forward to actually being on site. I know a lot of, most people aren't allowed to go, so I feel very fortunate that we are and I, I hope we don't uh, let anybody down. Um, so from a personal perspective, every day you go on is an important day. That's incredibly humble of you. I said it in September 2018. I will say it again. There is nobody better to assess Irish racing than Jane Mangan. So your place is assured on the Final Forum podcast and on RTE and our friends at RTV as well. Uh, don't don't fear that for a second. Uh, in terms of racing's comeback, so in, in Ireland, what, what have you made of it having watched it on, on television? the social distancing rules that are implemented and what's the feedback been about its return? Yeah, I, I haven't been myself, so I can't comment on that perspective. Having viewed it like you at home, uh, I'd be very happy with how everything has gone. The, the Obviously, the competitiveness of the races is top notch. Um, no massive amount of non-runners. We have a reserve system in Ireland, unlike Britain, which I, I don't understand why there isn't a reserve system there at the moment. Uh, trying to justify that is... Um, a waste of time um, but yeah overall I haven't heard any negatives uh, we appreciate that there was a 77 protocol document a 77 page protocol document uh, issued by the, by HRB but you know anybody who has any complaints with protocols that are being implemented at the moment really just needs to check themselves and ask themselves what have they been doing since March 23rd when we when we closed down racing in Ireland you know it's really we go to the moon and back to get things to get things back into a routine and to ensure that we're not in a situation where we have to revert. So everybody, I don't think we've ever seen a mutual cooperation throughout the industry like we have, like COVID-19 has basically impressed upon us. And it actually shows that what's good for you is good for me. We are a small industry, it's a small circle. Um, from turbid sales to racing, everything is intertwined, breathing, it all needs to happen in one smooth circle because if one, if there's a chink in one bit of the armor, the whole thing collapses. Um, so for racing and competition to be back is, is, is vital for every other part, every other facet of the industry. So it's, uh, it's livelihoods. It's very, very important. Well said. It's, look, it's great that it's back. We would have liked it to have been back sooner, but hey, we have it back. There is breaking news tonight. Now, it's not breaking news for you, loyal listener, but it is breaking news for us. Uh, the Dante and the Musadora were done. They were donezo. Well, they're back. They've been reintroduced to the schedule, except they're not Derby and Oaks trials. They're going to be run after the Derby and the Oaks. So both races, uh, Group 2 and Group 3 respectively, will be run at York on the 9th of July five days after the Derby and the Oaks as part of a one-day extravaganza at Epsom. So we have the Epsom, which is fantastic, and that's been talked about by pretty much every contributor on the show. But then the traditional trials will take place five days after the Derby and the Oaks. 
That's an odd one, Ryan. Yeah, um, I think there's enough hard, there's enough horse to go around, which is the main <coughs> thing. But whether you have the quality in each of those races is remains to be seen. Obviously, the, the Derby is going to take centre stage, and the best horse will go there. So um, you'd imagine the fact that you mentioned that the Group Twos and Group Threes, you might end up just being that kind of standard, given that any trainer who has a horse anyway good enough to run in the Derby will run it there. There, there is also the point, Jane, that a lot of the horses that are running this season, there's not going to be enough time to get to find out about them, which means that we're going to have a bigger horse population next year because a lot of classic horses will return into training as four-year-olds and maybe that's what the thinking is. Yeah, we're getting well ahead of ourselves there now. And if we're only back a week and we're already thinking about the three-year-old generation staying in training. So, look, we'll take it day by day, but you would have to consider if the main contenders for the Epsom Classics uh, would ordinarily line up in a Dante or a Musadora, then this year's Musadora and Dante isn't going to be as high quality. No, it's not. And you've got the Irish Derby the week before the Derby, and then you have the traditional Derby trials five days after that. Eh, interesting. I'm sure there'll be some runners, but we'll see. Uh, Jane, do you have any thoughts on the Irish Classics for the weekend? Any golden nuggets of information to give us before you'll be on Ortiz coverage? on Friday. I should say the Irish 2000 Guineas is live Friday and we'll be previewing it on Thursday's show and uh, and then the Irish 1000 Guineas is on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think Siskin is obviously the horse to beat in the in the 2000. I think he's just interesting to see if he stays the extra trip. He's obviously been raced exclusively at six furlongs as a, as a juvenile um, but does every, every reason to suggest that he will. Um, I think Nobi Fernandez is interesting. Uh, maybe Sinuan as well for Michael Halford. That that they're the three maybe that stand out for me in the in the two thousand and in the one thousand probably peaceful, um, peaceful and and uh, Albina. Obviously Albina is the the favorites the favorite tag. She's the best juvenile form. She's very good in France last year. But uh, you can't write off uh, in a Brian in in a classic like that. But uh, I think. It'd be a great win for Jessica Harrington. I know we always say that. I don't know why we always say that. It's not unusual for her to win a group one. But I feel that this filly is very good and she could have a very good season with her, provided that she proves that she's got gets can, is capable of of getting off to a good start this weekend. Yeah, and to be fair, Jessica Harrington's horses are in tremendous form. She's hit the board numerous times. It was just that they're fit. They're very <laughs> they're very fit. For whatever reason, Missile did not run to expectations, but they are now talking about dropping her back and trip for the Coronation Cup. Uh not the Coronation Cup, the Commonwealth Cup. Oh sorry, caffeine, hold on. But it is nice to be heading uh oh, no, there we no go. disrespect to the Valley Doyle camp. Like we are so used to heading into a classic weekend with them having short price favourites for both races. Uh, and while they really they have good contenders for the races, like Ziskin deserves to be the colt, the favorite colt, and and Albina deserves to have the, the favorite tag for the fillies. And you know, people say Ireland is a close shop, but there you go. You you just have to have the raw material, and you know the the Jessica Harrington and Jar Lions appear to have the aces of the pack this weekend. Yeah, I mean Jessica Harrington's got the front two in the betting. We think that Alpine Star won't run, but it's Jessica Harrington and the Arcos family that uh, Alpha Centauri. Uh, connection again and Gerlines and Khaled Abdullah. So yeah, they're very much the ones dominating. Um, Ryan, your thoughts on the Irish 2000 and 1000 guineas. Any bets that you'd like to put up? 
Not particularly, I mean, no, I think kind of Jane covered obviously what horses are to the fore uh, of the market and Siskin's obviously the one we're really looking forward to seeing. Uh, obviously, he was unbeaten as a two-year-old. He currently heads our betting on the sportsbook for the race. So, um, as I said, he's entitled to be favoured. And I know Jane mentioned Lopi Fernandez and the likes of Royal Lidham in there for Aidan O'Brien. And Vatican City's obviously only had two stars. He's been mentioned as a possible runner for the race. But I think they're all going to have to improve plenty to beat Siskin. Um, there's reports that he's, he's, he's going well at home from Jair Lines. So, um, although Jair Lines' horses haven't started the best to form over the first couple of days, it's probably too early to... to to um, put that as a negative down to, to Siskin running on, on Friday but he's obviously the one they have to be in the two in the 2000 and as regards the 1000 goes I'm in agreement with Jane that um, Albina is the one that they have to beat and she's probably going to take all the beating considering that well Fancy Blue is in there I suppose she might run um, for you Emmett we got her at the Oaks market so um, she's one that would have an each way chance in the race but I'll, yeah it's pretty unoriginal for me I think Albini and Siskin they'll, they'll both take beating but it's not a race I won't, probably won't be getting involved financially in either race Okay I've backed Fancy Blue um, out of a half sister um, sister to High Chaparral by Deep Impact and for the 2000 guineas Vatican City interests me I'm just disappointed in his price and um the comments from Aidan O'Brien on the show were Monarch of Egypt was being considered for the either the Irish 2000 guineas or the Jersey stakes, and Lope Fernandez was being considered for the Commonwealth Cup. So we'll see. We'll see. Bally Doyle plans can be fluid, and the lads may very well let him go, but I just, I'd probably back Monarch of Egypt if he turned up on the day because they seem to fancy him a lot last year, and uh, Siskin's very, very short, but. If Sis can, can do it for Jar Lines, then that would be some story. Uh, that's it. We are done. Hopefully you enjoyed this review of the weekend's action. My thanks as always to Jane Mangan. Jane, you are back with us in a couple of weeks as we look back on days three, four and five of Royal Ascot in your company. Lots to talk about, Emmett. Lots. Not the handicaps. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> the, the six additional races... We may very well be omitting those from our review. They may very well be be scratched at the request of Jane Mangan. Uh, Jane, thanks as always. Pleasure to talk to you and the best of luck on RTE over the weekend as well. Uh, looking forward to chatting to you in a couple of weeks' time on the Royal Ascot Review. Thanks, guys. And uh, Ryan McHugh, it's been long overdue. Great to get your insight on the show again, my friend, and looking forward to having you back on again very, very soon. Yeah, cheers, Emma. I enjoyed it. Hopefully it won't be another 17 months before I appear on the show again. Jess, Jess, book him in quicker. Book the man in sooner rather than later. He's an absolute legend. Uh, in terms of Final Furlong podcasts coming up, we have our weekend preview for the Irish Classics with Brian Flanagan and Rory Delargy on Thursday. And then the first of our five Royal Ascot previews. You can watch every single race live and exclusive on Sky Sports Racing. They're the only place where you can see every race live uh, is Sky Sports Racing for Royal Ascot 2020. And also the Royal Ascot mega site will be available on attheraces.com as well with some fantastic insight there as well. Uh, we've got a great team lined up for you, including Jane Mangan and Nick Luck in the review shows, but some great, great people to preview and uh, very much looking forward to those shows as well. The first two will be available on Saturday with uh, at the races betfair racing and ourselves we will chat to you again on thursday have a great week talk to you soon god bless will it happen or won't it happen you can bet on it with the betfair exchange proud sponsors of the final furlong podcast have you downloaded the free at the races app yet with easy to use race cards and form 
expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracers.com forward slash app for more details.